Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we're back. Another edition of All Things Florida with Dr. Ed Moore. I am merely Preston Scott. <laughs> merely? Yeah. <laughs> I tell my wife all the time, it's just not going to get any better. Just, yeah. it's who I am. Yeah. You married me. You're pot- the Popeye. I, yep. I am what I am. That's uh, it. Uh, how you doing? And that's all I was ever going to be. So, yeah, I'm fine. Did you notice how tan I am? Yeah, you did. Uh, you, yeah, yeah. I got myself out in the water. Your hair doesn't look as white. <laughs> you got an offset there. <laughs> Just a little bit of one. I'll get to more of that a little bit later on in our community spotlight. Going to share my time in Panama City, Panama City Beach. Uh, we've got an amazing set of stories in Florida, man. Uh, we will talk about pythons in this show. Yes, a python milestone has been reached, sir. Um, will there be football? This season for Florida State University and the state schools, we'll talk about that. Taking the Wayback Machine to 1935, we've got a storm out there brewing in the Caribbean. And uh, this uh, pandemic, that's right. There's a pandemic I've heard something about. There is? (laughs) Really? Really? Yeah. Uh, The week that was and is to come, there's no avoiding it. It is part of it. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's life as we know it, <laughs> and I feel fine. There's a song like that. You know, uh, it's the end of the world as we know it. Yeah, and I feel fine. I, uh, where would you begin? I, it, to me, I'm frustrated by the fact that I I know that the state is doing everything they can to to just try to put their arms around this thing, and here we are, what four or five months into it, and we still really can't do that. Yeah. But I am frustrated by the way the numbers are being released without really explanation. And it causes it to just, it's bad. We have a virus. It's killing people. We understand that. But I think it's being made worse by the way the numbers are viewed. Yeah, or the way that media tends to use the numbers. I mean, you know, panic, panic. More people died today than died yesterday. I mean, you, you get a lot of that. But But that's the thing. They didn't die yesterday or today. No. They've died over the last 8 to 12 to 15 days. Well, and I, I posted a kind of a snarky thing where the state announced that they were going to close down all the testing sites from Friday to Tuesday because of the storm coming. Mm-hmm. And my snarky post was, on Wednesday and Thursday, you're going to see record numbers of deaths and and contagion numbers because it's going to be five days worth all posted one day. But the media is going to say, oh, my God, look at these Thursday results. Well, in case you're not sure that I'm speaking out of anything other than my personal opinion, I'm going to read a statement that was sent to me. I requested it last week, um, and it came this week. And it's from the Department of Health, the Public Information Specialist. And this is from the Epidemiology Department. It says, in Florida... 
the deaths announced on any given day could be from several days earlier because the state information does not include the exact date of death. Previously, the highest single day toll, and they and they go on from there. Yeah, that's the bottom line. So, it's an aggregate, and we've come to hate that word as yes. it relates oh, to sure. this COVID. Well, purely on the number of cases as well. I mean, I've made that point before. We Florida has you know, one hundred and fifty thousand cases, whatever the number is. No, they don't. I mean, this is from day one to now, but that's how it, the number gets reported, as if there's this many sick people in Florida. That's not true. We don't, you know, and they sometimes they'll put a number of uh, identified recovered, but they really don't, they don't collect that. So I don't know. The, the supposition is there, but it's not reality. In Leon County, uh, the CEO for one of the main hospitals, TMH, Mark O'Brien, released a statement saying, we have plenty of capacity. Yes. We're fine. Yeah. And most of the hospitals across the state have around 20 to 25% available beds in the general hospital and somewhere between 15 and 20% ICU beds in most hospitals. But hospitals need to run at about an 80% capacity in order to stay alive. Well, and yeah. you pointed out previously, and you sit on a hospital board, Yes, you have pointed out that historically... ICU beds sit at a 90 to 95% occupancy rate. That's normal. So when you see those stories of ICU beds are at 100% without the delineation that only this number is related to COVID-19, it again inflames the emotions. Well, if you just go to a pure business, business model... You don't want to have ex- excess capacity. You don't want to have to buy all of that equipment that's required for every ICU bed. It, mm-hmm. It's expensive to to equip an ICU bed. Uh, it's it, you, you want to use what you have. I mean, it goes back if you go back to the you know, back in the '70s when I started in this world, uh, public policy. Uh, you used to have regional planning councils, and you had to have certificate of needs to get every machine. And you had bureaucracy telling you how many X-rays machines and how many MRI machines. You know that's how it used to be. But the intent behind that was so that you didn't spend money on equipment that you weren't going to use. So, looking at hospital occupancies, if you're worried about it now. Look and see what the occupancy rates were last September, October, November, pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. And you're going to see similar numbers. Now, what scares me now, and we've talked about this before, is the number of people that have something wrong with them and aren't going. And yeah. we're, we're also not doing elective surgeries like we were. I, I, I need Those it. numbers are still suppressed. Yeah, I postponed. I'm supposed to have an elbow surgery repair and nerve damage in my elbow. I, I just postponed it. I'm not going to go ahead and do that now. But there are people with serious conditions shouldn't be postponing, but that's where we are. Yeah, I'm not going to die from an elbow problem, but right. But there are people that have need heart procedures or you know, even if it's a minor heart procedure, it needs to be done. They're going to push it back. We're just getting started. All things Florida. We're going to hunker down, talk about uh, the storm that's in the news, as well as its impact on whatever else is going on, including this thing called a pandemic. Stay with us. Don't let the music fool you. We are business here today. That music makes me want to dress like Bob Marley. Oh. 
without the tan. I'm oh, gonna, you know. why did you take me there? <laughs> Yaman. I mean, it is a story. Yeah. And yeah. it's an unfortunate story. Yeah, well, we'll see how that all unfolds. Are we going to just really leave it there? <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I can't believe you did that to me. <laughs> We were talking about uh, COVID-19, its impact. Uh, We've got schools scrambling, pushing to the very last day of August, which is inside the executive order to open for whatever. That's, the my, governor's, that's my birthday, by the way, everybody. Uh, everybody out there? Yeah, you August, go ahead and give a size. August 31st. <laughs> 2X. <laughs> um, it It is remarkable how there are flexibilities that are available. There are options available. But it doesn't change, you know, a lot of bottom lines, and that is that I, I, I just don't think the public education system can boot up and be ready for distance learning. There are too many kids that can't access it. Yes. Too many kids that don't have parents at home that are engaged to begin with, and now we thrust them into the role of being, in essence, an assistant teacher. So how do we really do this now moving forward, K-12? Yeah, my, my greatest concern is losing uh, so many students losing six months or more of education. It, it, that's not even counting the summer in between. I mean, if we push back into the late into the fall, you've got a huge number of students that really aren't doing much. And the long-term ramifications of that are pretty serious. I mean, there's an old saying about idle minds, right? Well, you know, devil's workshop on that, in that sense. but uh, and there's some truth to it. Yes. Oh, yeah. But it's also idle minds tend to get idle. You know, I mean, you've you, you got to be constantly stimulated. Learning is a progression. And when you have this giant interruption in the progression, I'm not sure how you recover from that. You couldn't. Ha- you can't have tens of thousands of students repeating a grade. I mean, that maybe end up where we end up with this, particularly in the lower grades. And then what you end up with the older ones is they just walk away. So do we have to? I, I'm going to go back to something I've been saying for a long time, Ed. Do we have to learn to live with this? Uh, I think in the school end. I mean, in, in one of my, uh, I made a list of things week to come kind of issues and the teachers uh you know of course the national teachers union want to defund cops and they, they put all kind of stuff in there it has absolutely nothing to do with education absurdities ridiculous but you know there is concern teachers have concern but those same teachers go to shop weekly or more often at Publix where the people are working and exposed to people all day long not just the same 20 or 20 18 to 25 number of kids but they're exposed all day long do they want them to not work either or police to not work either or you know there are people that are going to work every day and it's part of this process i think the school systems have to make sure people can that are protected that somehow isolated but there are people that absolutely need those kids to go to school they can't leave them home alone uh, and they got to go to work and as businesses begin to reopen more and more parents are not going to be available I mean, initially, at the end of last school year, most of the parents were home, too, because we just kind of shut everything down. But what happens when that's not the case anymore and you've got kids supposed to be learning online? Uh, You're going to lose a lot of progress in education on a lot of individual kids. Smarter kids, they'll figure out a way. You know, the the higher-end kids, I shouldn't use the term smarter, but the higher-end kids, 
They're, they're, they will progress. There are always self-motivated students yes. like there are self-motivated workers. Yeah, but, They'll just do it. But kids that are a little slower, have learning disability, uh, but not a lot of support at home. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why kids stumble in school and you're going to just cast them adrift. That's the dilemma here. Why are we in this setting aside COVID? COVID obviously is the big lever in all of this but still there's this sense with school boards and with some superintendents across the state and across the country ed and you know these people better than i do you you dealt with them professionally for much of your life what is it that is preventing them from accepting certain realities and 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 one of them is this won't work doing it this way yeah. keeping kids out of school yeah, just fear i mean it, a lot of this is driven by fear fear of the unknown fear of catching a disease fear of spreading the disease uh, there's you know, the problem with covid-19 is we know so little about it we knew nothing about it in january and we know even less now i mean I, that's my view on this and we've allowed these narratives to unfold that panic people and scare them to death well when you look at the pure numbers the number of people even with the the gross numbers might look like a big number of people but as a percentage of the population your likelihood of catching it is pretty small and if you do your recovery is going to be pretty high now there's residual effects of this that right. that I'm concerned about and we don't talk about it we tend to just talk about deaths but we don't talk about the the comorbidity aspects of this and the the people that are going to be sick for a really long time because of it that did some damage to their heart or to their lungs or their immune systems got compromised there will be residual effects of this i mean i I have a friend of mine that posted up and i wasn't aware she was this sick she's in her 33rd day and her symptoms just keep changing on her and and her she's you can sense and she's exasperated when am I going to get better? And even wrote, maybe I never will. Well, maybe I'm going to be sick for a really long time. But that's will be a percentage of the population will be sick for a long time. I do regular segments a couple times a month on natural health and ways to treat causes. And one of the things that is symptomatic inside COVID-19 is something called inflammation. What inflammation does to the body's systems sure. is is very difficult to quantify, but it's huge. And that's what you're talking about. You're talking about people that their their systems getting inflammation and now they're chasing symptoms. And it and it and it goes back to the politicization of this thing has just been brutal. And I feel like there are treatment protocols out there that we're just not being allowed to to do to do. Yeah, there are some poor folks that uh, you know, you've had the flu. We've all had a, a version of the flu in the past where your body just aches. Yeah. And there are people that are their body's gonna ache for a long time. Yeah. And they'll you know, they'll do it, it's neuralgia, it's this or that, but the virus caused it. Virus brought, virus brought it about. Uh, you know, we're going to have to deal with that for a while. Right now, though, uh, you know, we we need to move towards normalcy as best we can. But you know, I've I've talked uh, on the on your show earlier in the week about the 1918 pandemic where they they shut down and then opened up real quick, and then shut down and opened up real quick, and the numbers kept spiking. You need to keep one eye, and I've said this repeatedly. You keep one eye on the data. And then one eye on tomorrow and try to move towards tomorrow. 
But when that data, if that data spikes, you've got to, you know, you've got to have a governor, if you will, not political governor, but a mechanical governor on your system that says, oh, we got to slow down a little bit. You know, we got to slow down a little bit. As long as we do that, we will, we will get some progress and we'll move forward. I don't know how much slower we can go and sustain. <laughs> well, we're opening up. I mean, businesses are opening. But every time a mandate gets put in place, the businesses that were at 75% immediately drop to 25 and more closing now because of it. They just well, can't sustain. I was just down in the Keys last week, and uh, there's a little place called Robbie's that's on Matacombe there. Uh, it's a, it's a, a marina, and then... Every day with the tourists coming in, they've got booths and all kinds of things. And we came in from, you know, we went out early, so there wasn't anybody really at Robbie's at sunrise. But when we came back in midday, the place was, it wasn't 100% full, you know, but it was, there were tourists. There were people there and, and people buying things and moving around. Uh, they were all masked because in the Keys, you're required to wear a mask. If your feet are on the ground, you better have a mask on. But there were people there, so it showed to me that there and the restaurants were uh, there were people waiting to get in. Now they're supposed to be at fifty percent occupancy, and it looked like a lot of them just took tables out. So it still looked it looked like it was a hundred percent full, but the tables were pretty far apart. Right. But they there were people wanting to eat at the restaurants and stuff. So I, I'm seeing progress there. You're seeing people coming back. You were in Panama City, where there uh, Panama City Beach, where there are people there. Um, absolutely there were yeah and that's a good sign but the mask ordinance was coming into effect on monday this past monday so who knows yeah it didn't seem to chase anybody away in the keys we'll see um what could chase some people out of the keys is a storm yes um good news for those that live in the panhandle and the big bend not so good news for those along the east coast and in the keys uh tropical storm have we settled on the pronunciation isaias Isaias, otherwise known as the Spanish pronunciation of Isaiah. Um, See. It has moved a little bit further to the east. That would be the worst possible thing to happen this season. Oh, yeah. Would be for there to be a severe storm hitting Florida, driving people from the south to the north. Yeah, I imagine a, a, a Michael-type storm coming ashore at Miami-Dade or Broward and all those people evacuating to the rest of the state where we have the highest levels of of, of COVID. Uh, not a pretty sight. Yeah. Shelter in place. <laughs> I can't think of. And then how do you shelter? Yeah. I mean, given given the protocols that we're looking at now. You can't gather people all together. No. So what, major arenas and you know space families out by sections uh just drive north and keep driving for a while and then drive around for a while and then drive home <laughs> i don't know <laughs> when we come back we're gonna we're gonna pivot after the news to a history segment we're gonna go to florida in 1935 oh yeah talking about hurricanes yeah we've got don't do that to me hurricanes oh boy <laughs> We're going to also talk about pythons and maybe college football in the next segment of, of All Things Florida with Dr. Ed Moore. I'm Preston Scott. Stick around after the news. Welcome back, or for those of you that are recalcitrant and late, welcome. 
to all things Florida. Remember, you can uh, you can find us. Uh, we are we are listed on the WFLA FM dot com website under the podcast page all things florida and you can listen to any of the previous 26 episodes of this program where we chronicle well all things florida yes including a weekly trip on the wayback machine in this case florida history in 1935 what was going on in 1935 sir well what's your why settle on that year what made that year something to zero in on labor day hurricane uh, it was the Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You mean a hurricane? Yes, that one. Okay. At, uh, yeah. <laughs> It, people <laughs> you know, making fun of how I talk all the time. Uh, you know, th- think about that time frame. Uh, Flagler had built the Overseas Railroad. Okay. And some there's some fascinating photos in the state archives that you can see about that progress. And, and, and if you read about it, it started about 1905 to 1912. It, that's how long it took to build that Overseas Railroad. Uh, they had to go right through the islands and at one point it stopped right about long key which is just down below you've got windley key upper matacumbi lower matacumbi which is the isla Morada area mm-hmm. and then there's a gap and then there's long key and then from that point you used to have to take a ferry once they even got to that point you had to take a ferry uh, put your car on a ferry to take it to key west if that's where in fact you wanted to go uh and they they spent uh, on that uh, the the construction cost on that was about fifty million dollars in that time frame, and I I went on the inflation calculator to figure that out. It's about one point three billion dollars it took to put that railroad in. Okay, so I mean, a lot of investment, a lot of money. Yeah, and the FEC railroad uh, ran the ran the trains, Florida East Coast Railroad. Uh, well, in Labor Day of 1935, they called it the uh, Storm Number Three. Uh, that's what they they used to just have numbers. They didn't have difficult to pronounce names on them in those days. And it was just Number Three. It's kind of say yes. I say yes. Well, it, it, uh, they probably said a lot worse than that when they were watching the storm. Uh, it hit, and it hit right mid keys. I mean, the the powerful part of the storm. It was a Cat Five. Came, wow. ashore, came ashore. It had like thirty and forty foot storm surge, so everything that was there in that middle keys was no longer there. It just wiped it out. It wiped out the railroad, the rail lines, a, a relief train coming down to try to evacuate people from the keys got blown off the tracks into the water, and no one died out of it, which is kind of rare. It, but it actually. Went over, and the only thing one one of the engines is the only thing that stayed on the tracks. Everything else went in the water, uh, completely destroyed everything. If you went from pretty much from Tavernier all the way to down to Long Key, gone. Everything that was there was gone. Now that's a powerful storm, and that's sort of like 
you know, when Michael came ashore on the Gulf Coast, everything wasn't gone, but everything was destroyed because we build a little better now than we did in the 1920s and 30s. Right. Florida was very young in 1935 in, te- in terms of population, and we talked about the pandemic in 1918. The city of Miami was only 20 years old at that point in time. Mm-hmm. I mean, there just weren't a lot of people down there. The the surge of this Cat 5 took it took it all away. And the thing that you have to remember is 4,000 people were employed in the building of this overseas railroad. 4,000 people out of a very small population. So the economy of Southeast Florida, and certainly the economy of the Keys, once they opened this railroad, was driven by this. Well, the impact of it is when it all got destroyed or parts of it got destroyed, they just gave it up. There was no longer a railroad going down to the Keys, and you were back to boats for a while. Uh, FEC was went bankrupt. They went bankrupt and end up selling the rights of the land they had to the U.S. government and then the state or to the state of Florida, not to the U.S. State of Florida bought it, and they end up putting a road in, and that's how the road. They used a lot of the rail bed to put a road in, and that's how road the road got down to the Keys. It's fascinating. Wow! Yeah, imagine being down there in a storm like that. Though. No, thank you. Uh uh-uh. uh No, thank you. <laughs> no. I would have said, yeah, I'm gone. The second one started maybe coming that way. Well, a 20, 30, 40-foot storm surge when you're at right at sea level. Most of the keys, I mean, part of it, you might be two feet above sea level. I mean, you're, everything's underwater. Yeah. And, and everything was gone. Wow. Scary, huh? Yeah. It's interesting because a, a hurricane kind of connects to the next story, and it's a milestone for pythons in the state. I say it connects because there are many that believe that the beginning of the trouble with pythons down in the Everglades started with Hurricane Andrew, yeah, and um, and and then has only been made worse by the uh, uh, ridiculous decision that people make to buy those stupid things. Why anyone would want a, a python for a pet is beyond my capability of understanding. But that being said, um, they have now officially captured five thousand. And killed Burmese pythons, been removed from the Everglades. I still want to go. Well, I want to get your reaction to this. Um, Alligator Ron Bergeron, governing board member, South Florida Water Management District, said each invasive python eliminated represents hundreds of native Florida wildlife saved. Aren't they all gone by now? I mean, literally. I'm not being funny or smart, but, but I mean... At last I checked, 99% of the mammals that are in and around the Everglades are gone. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know how you do a census on that, but they're still deer. I, mean, I just saw them. We drove down 75 around through the glade, saw deer on the side of the road. I mean, they're still there. Panthers are still there. Raccoons? Certainly, oh, yeah, plenty of raccoons. Okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the pythons don't. They probably eat some of the young deer, and they're not going after big deer. The deer, not are, yet. They, well, the deer are a little quicker, we hope, than the python. I mean, you know, it's kind of it's sort of like the old mummy movies. I could yeah. never understand why people were afraid of the mummy. Yeah, just walk away. Yeah, just walk away. You don't even have to run. Just go see you. I'm out of here. Same thing with a python. They're just not going to move that fast. If you're asleep, they may get you. Well, it's by surprise. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely. how they do what they do. But at the same time, I'm just not moved by the number 5,000, given that, you know, one snake can carry 100. 
You know what I mean? I mean, a mother python can carry yeah, they, they breed. They're like wild hogs. So, yes. You know, same deal. You're always going to have wild hogs. But you still want to go down there and do that stuff. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Lost your mind. Um, <laughs> the other thing I want to get to in this segment is the decision by the Atlantic Coast, Atlantic Coast Conference to have an, a 10-game conference schedule, including yeah. Notre Dame. Notre Dame is kind of a quasi-ACC member. Um, play for a conference championship, no divisions, conference with the option of an 11th game. First, do you think the season will ha- will indeed happen? Yeah, I think they'll have something, uh, whether it's fan-free or 20% of fans. or They're going to do something. They're going to want to play. They're going to want to fill all that TV time. Okay. And they'll get the TV revenue, and then whatever they get from numbers of fans, they'll get. Now, the the game, obviously, they're leaving room for are those games against SEC foes because there's a lot of a lot of matchup there. Not so sure about the Syracuses and schools up in the Northeast like Boston College and the like. But uh, Florida, Florida State, obviously, is the game that would be most interesting to our audience. You think that one gets played? No, I, I think the SEC is going to use this as a, an opportunity to give their schools a break from having to always play. A lot of the rivalries are ACC to SEC rivalries. I mean, right. It's Clemson, South Carolina, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Florida, Florida State. I think they're going to go and the SEC say conference only and probably an eight-game schedule rather than a 10-game schedule. The 10-game is optimistic. I mean, that's saying, yes, we're going to start on time and we'll be able to get all these games in. I don't see that happening at this point. Do you think some games will get canceled along the way? Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, look what's happening in Major then, League Baseball. Then can you even have a conference championship? And probably not. Yeah. But look at Major League Baseball. Um, the Miami Marlins got, what, 14 guys got it? And when are they going to play again? In two weeks on a 60-game schedule? I, it's tough. It's real tough. Okay. <laughs> We've got more. We'll talk in our community spotlight uh, about some things. we got Florida Man, one big thing. Stick around. All things Florida. Final segment of All Things Florida with Dr. Ed Moore and Preston Scott. Community Spotlight. I want to I want to talk about my uh, fun in Panama City Beach, Panama City. First yeah. of all, um, they're trying so hard. That area was hit so hard. Panama City Beach, not so much. Not so much. Panama City, whoa. just by a whisker. They they missed a lot of it, but um, saw some damage in Panama City Beach. There's still some. You know, high-end condos right there in the in St. Andrews Bay that are still trying to find ways to recover. But um, I just wanted to, I guess, throw a shout out to the region. Just had a great time, enjoyed visiting Pier Park, and went out at three different forays into the water. Hence the tan. Yeah, uh, yeah. Went out to Shell Island on a little seventeen-foot skiff. Spent about a half a day on a forty-three-foot yacht. Had fun there, and then uh, my wife and I got on those on the on the wave runners. Oh yeah! And we went out. Uh, it, it was one of those deals where it's a, it, it's a guided tour to see dolphin, and if you want to jump in the water with them, you can do that. And obviously, it's a dice roll whether you see them or not. Um, we just got fortunate. It was just my wife, me, and our guide. That's it. We didn't have anybody else, and so we were out there about two and a half hours. And um, he took us out into the Gulf itself. We went past Shell Island into the Gulf, 
and probably about a, a close to a mile offshore we uh we found ourselves a pod oh that's wonderful just a huge family with some youngins that uh, were yeah. jumping and breaching out of the water and ed i gotta tell you when when you are not at the aquarium but out there in their world yeah you're in their neighborhood and they're three feet from you swimming by looking up at you kind of and they always have that smile on their face it looks like right yeah there's just nothing like it. Yeah, it we had, was, it was we, great. At my, at my beach house, I often sit in, early in the morning. And there's a pod that feeds right behind our house. And one day I looked, and there were two guys on uh, uh, the stand-up boards, you know, paddle boards, coming along. And they didn't see there was a pod behind them and a pod in front of them. And they, you knew they weren't Floridians. You know, the one guy was. The other guy, definitely not. One guy saw them, started screaming, and laid down on his paddleboard holding on, and the other guys just stand there laughing at him. And the dolphin heard all this noise, and they were coming right up next to the paddleboard. And this guy's, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> and they probably could hear me laughing all the way from the deck because, you know, it's just beautiful to see them. Oh, I mean, yeah. What you see, they're just, just magnificent creatures. They are. And had I not been in the open waters of the Gulf, I might have jumped in to swim with them because I had my snorkel and, and goggles. But uh, being out in the Gulf, I yeah. decided I'd maybe not do that yeah. and stay on my Wave Runner. But just had a wonderful time. I just want to give a shout out. Flippers, I think it's called Flippers Dolphin Tours, and they do it on jet skis. And I know that it's technically not a jet ski. I get that. But um, it was a good time. It's right by Captain Anderson's. If you know the area, it's just past Captain Anderson's is their place. And they rent pontoon boats and all that stuff. They didn't ask for anything. I didn't tell them what I did for a living. I just had a great time. Yeah, that's great. That's it was great. a lot of fun. Yeah, and, and the recovery there uh, over on the Panama City side is, is still tough. I, mean, I talked a little bit earlier saying what happened to the Keys getting devastated. And Florida buildings now tend to hold up a little better. But you just go a little further east over to Mexico Beach and... That's what happens. There's a round building standing because it's constructed differently, yeah, and, and that's the about it, it. The rest of it's flattened. Now they're yeah. coming back. They're yeah. rebuilding. But uh, these storms can do a lot of damage. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so if you've got some time before you, you, you wrap up your summer, head on out there and support them. Uh, they would love to see your money there. Um, it's hit 28-plus states now, including Florida, South Georgia. The Big Bend has received seed packets people have been receiving these mysterious packets of seed from china yeah what can you tell me i've i've, I've read it and tried to figure this out I mean, it's, it's a marketing ploy or you know but it's not i mean it's not like you get material with the seeds going you know call us if you want new tomato seeds or they're just bizarre seeds they're not sure what they are and the usda is in a little panic over them. sure yeah it, it could be an invasive species it could be people go out and plant it it could be like kudzu uh, on steroids you know so your whole house gets covered could be jack and the beanstalk kind of stuff I mean. well and and to that end the usda is begging do not throw them out either uh seal them up oh, and yeah. send them to them they'll grow in the dumps i mean exactly yeah uh you know they could be toxic uh you know melaleuca type toxicity out of them uh you know we took forever to get rid of melaleuca trees that were invasive uh, yeah, it's bizarre. So if you get these seed packets, don't plant them. Put them in a plastic bag and then put that in another plastic bag. Right. And call the Department of Agriculture. And they'll tell you where to mail them because they want them. 
yeah. and and then they'll deal with it from there but uh anyway just needed to do that do that florida man yeah well you know it never ends and this this one story showed me the the uh, laxity of quickly installed government programs okay uh, uh, the the PPP funds, the Paycheck Protection Program funds. Uh, Florida man buys Lamborghini. Yes, I have the same story. Uh, you go with three point nine million dollar loan that he got from the federal government uh, <sighs> under the Paycheck Protection. And that, that there's more going to come out on this story. Apparently, he was buying all kinds of other things, and he's got three point four million in the bank. So he spent a half a million dollars already. Uh, he bought a $318,000 car. And I condemn him for doing that, but I condemn the bureaucracy yes. for, for you know. Making this possible. We're in such a hurry to do some of this stuff that the, the safeguards and the tethers, well, we'll get to that later. And that's when fraud happens. Absolutely. People will take advantage of oh, it. Oh, there's always somebody. Always somebody. This is a not-so-good Florida man story. Florida man accused of illegally detaining black 18-year-old heading to basketball practice. Guy named Luis Orlando Santos Santiago, 54, acted as a vigilante. He's a former Florida theme park guard. Oh, boy. And uh, this kid was riding his bike uh, on his way to basketball practice, and he gets stopped, and this guy starts harassing him. And kid was, you know, uh, on tape. This guy's videotaping the whole thing. I'm sorry. I, I'm not doing anything. Hands up. Finally, the sheriff's came, showed up, and, and one of the deputies took this poor kid to his practice. Good. But, uh, man, the, the, come on the, the now. slap Santiago, whatever. Uh, he's in jail. He went to jail. Jail? Good, yeah, good, yeah. Good. But it's like, come on. We, we got to be better than that. Well, I got a different kind of crook here. Uh, naked Florida man tells... <laughs> <laughs> That's even better. Not just Florida man. Naked Na- Florida man tells deputies, I'm Batman. This just happened. <laughs> this 49-year-old was wandering around a hotel lobby and and try, trying to get, left the lobby and was trying to get into rooms completely naked, wondering. <laughs> and anytime anybody confronted him, he would just turn and look at him and say, "I'm Batman. I'm Batman." For the police finding him, this is down in Charlotte County, and they charged him with loitering and exposure. Oh, gets yeah. But all the way apparently to the car and on the way to the jail, all the guy kept saying was, "I'm Batman." <laughs> Did he do it in that Will Arnett voice from Lego? I'm Batman. I'm Batman. Yeah, Batman. <laughs> That's lovely. Yeah. Uh, What's your one big thing? Well, uh, to, back to COVID, I guess. But uh, I talked earlier about a friend of mine that has it, and and just remember that this just isn't a flu. If you get it or you're around people that have it, it's not just a flu like we're used to having, where you get sick and then you figure, well, I'm going to be home for three or four days, or and I'm going to be better. And I'll go back to work. Uh, for a lot of people, this it hits different people different ways, mm-hmm. and we need to be sensitive to that. Hospitals, uh, I've talked to folks over there, they're seeing wide variations of symptoms, uh, all kinds of things that present you know, when they you know, so diagnosis gets difficult. Uh, the only thing that gets confirmed is yeah, this person has COVID, but it's affecting people's kidneys, their heart, their lungs, the long term effects. Uh, you know, I don't know what long-term effects we're going to have uh, out of this, but I know there are some people that are going to suffer for a long time, and we need to always keep that in mind. My one big thing is uh, something sent to me by a listener of my radio program. I don't have any idea who wrote it. Just a compilation of thoughts. 
Somehow it's un-American for the census to count how many Americans are in America. Russians influencing our election? Bad. Illegals voting in our elections? Good. It was cool for Joe Biden to blackmail the president of Ukraine, but it's an impeachable offense if the president, Donald Trump, inquires about it. People who have never owned slaves should pay slavery reparations to people who have never been slaves. People who have never been to college should pay the debts of people who went to college and took out huge loans to go to school and get their degree. Immigrants with tuberculosis and polio are welcome, but you better be able to prove your dog is vaccinated. Uh, if you cheat to get into college, you go to prison. But if you cheat to get in the country, you go to college for free. There you go. It's uh, We're living in a Lewis Carroll novel, you know. This is wonderful. We're, we're black is white and white is black. And, you know, yes. The Mad Hatter is going to be hanging around pretty soon. I'm going to borrow from uh, Forrest Gump. About all, all I got to say about that. Have a great week. Thank you, Ed. Have a good one. Thanks for joining us for All Things Florida. We'll be back with you next week, God willing. Have a good day. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.